a renew. God is good all the time. That's how we, how we traditionally start our services, but there's no one in the sanctuary. The seats are empty, and so I'm feeling a little bit weird. The last time we were all gathered together um, was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I truly, really, really miss worshiping together with all of you and face-to-face, and there's nothing like praying for one another and laying hands on one another, shaking hands, hugging, hearing uh, stories um, about your weeks and drinking coffee together. Um, and we do that. We do that on our, in our Zoom rooms. Um, and we're able to connect because through social media and technology and Facebook and stuff like that, Instagram. But it's not the same to be gathered together personally. And so I just wanted to let you know that as your pastor as a Renew, of Renew um, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. But I'm also missing you. A lot, and I'm hoping that all of you are okay out there, whether that's financially, emotionally. If you're feeling uh, isolated, I hope that um, we can find ways to connect with you. And uh, please give me a call, email me, or uh, text me, message me, any form that you like. Um, please contact me if you need prayer, or someone to talk to, um, or you need assistance of any kind. Um, but yes. I long for the day where we can all meet together uh, and worship and serve and minister together. Um, but we are continuing in our lectionary series, and that series is called This is the Way. It's a play on the Mandalorian. Uh, but instead of the Mandalorian way, this is the Jesus way, the kingdom of heaven way. What does it look like to be in solidarity with the values of the kingdom of heaven, to be disciples of Jesus as he journeys in the wilderness towards the cross and I think many of us can see the clear parallel that we're all in the wilderness right now. We're all in the desert right now. Globally, the entire world is in the desert because we don't have everything we're used to having. We don't have our creature comforts. Things are turned upside down. Everything is rocked because of this coronavirus. Their schools are out. People are afraid. Grocery stores are being bombarded. People are fighting over toilet paper. You, think this, you would think this is a post-apocalyptic television series like The Walking Dead. Me, even, a pacifist, is thinking about, man, should we go and raid Big Five and get all the guns and ammo we can? Because we need to be sure that we can protect ourselves when the zombie apocalypse comes. But in all sincerity, um, I think... This is a unique time in, in history, in the history of the world, and in our lives. As we experience, we are experiencing something that humanity is experiencing all together, globally. That we are all in the same place of vulnerability, feeling naked, feeling afraid, fearing for our families, fearing for ourselves, and not knowing what the future brings. And it's almost as if we were walking and we were sure of the terrain and the path ahead of us. And all of a sudden, someone took a blindfold and put it over us and we can't see anymore. Or someone took our eyes out and we couldn't see. Or someone ripped your ears off or plugged your ears up and you couldn't hear. Right? We're at a loss. Our senses right, are on overdrive. 
And I think into this, God has something to say for us. God is the way. Jesus is the light. Jesus continues to be Jesus, whether it's a sunny day or a cloudy day. Jesus continues to be Jesus, whether we can see or we can't see. Jesus continues to be Jesus, whether the world is out of control or we have everything put together. Jesus is still Jesus. Amen? What a horrible virus that's rocking us right now. All of us are experiencing restrictions on gathering, working, learning in school. Many of us are experiencing increased financial stress. Small businesses are going under. The restaurants that we love in Seattle, they might not exist after all of this because they have to close, because they don't have enough business, not enough money coming in. Many have already closed. Those who need to work to make ends meet. Some of them, many of us don't have access to sick leave, vacation pay, are under a, a bind because their kids are at school, or not in school, or at home, but they don't have access, easy access to regular childcare or even money to pay for that childcare, but they have to work. What's going to happen? Many businesses that employ a lot of workers are shutting down or limiting what they have to do. And some people aren't working or out of work. It's a hard time. It's a hard time. And in these times of crisis, oftentimes when we're suffering or we're under crisis or we don't know what's going on, we're unsure, we tend to seek scapegoats. We tend to look for people to blame, an individual to blame, a country to blame, an ethnicity to blame, a leader to blame, a president to blame, someone to blame, someone to say, oh, it's because of you this is happening. It's your fault. Because we can't see. We need to blame someone. But I think the message of Jesus in our passage, John chapter 9, 1 through 41, is that God is the God who gives sight. God is the God who is in control of everything. God is the God that ultimately, no matter what situation we're in, we are going to bow down. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of us to say, Lord, I believe, and these are the words of the blind man who, who later, who Jesus heals and can see again. The end of our passage, the, this blind man gets to a place in his spiritual uh, journey, in his sight, of being able to recognize that Jesus is the Son of Man. And finally, he says, Lord, I believe. And it's, the scripture says, he worships him. He worships him. He recognizes that in Jesus' power, in Jesus' concern for him, that he's able to see once again. Do we know that we're blind? Have we experienced blindness? I know people who are physically blind <laughs> experience blindness every day 
and probably would have something to share with us about that. But even if you were to put on a blindfold or take something out of your senses or your life that you rely on so much, take that away. What does it feel like? What do you feel inside? Do you start to freak out? Do you start to do obsessive things like I would, like snapping my fingers or other things? Do you, what coping mechanisms do you turn to when something is taking, taken away from you? When you lose control, what do you turn to? What do you feel? What are we feeling now in the midst of the coronavirus? How have our lives been turned upside down? And my, my challenge and message to us is to begin to see what we didn't see before. And this is what John is doing in this passage. There's a blind man. He's a blind man from birth. And as Jesus is walking along, he sees this blind man. And everyone knows this blind man. It's like the person at the exit of I-5 who's standing there uh, asking for money. We, we recognize this person. Many of us see this person in our commute, in our exit, and we know this person. But do we see this person? Do we know them by name? The same as this blind man. Many people, he's been sitting there. Many people pass him. Many people see him. But do they know this person? Jesus sees the blind man. So do his disciples. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his, uh, this man or his parents, who sinned that he was born blind? You see, they want to understand who's responsible for the blindness of this man. Again, people seek to understand and cast blame or responsibility. We need to find what is responsible when something bad happens, when suffering happens. And I think ultimately we can get on a long dialogue about this. I can do some teaching for an hour about this. But ultimately, I think when we suffer or bad things happen, it's a mystery. Does it come from God? Is it because we sinned? Right? Is it because of Satan? Is it because, is it because you know, we're in a fallen world, disease, whatever? It, that's a mystery. But I think what Jesus um, demonstrates and is pointing out is, I'm the Lord of the universe. Right? I control the winds, the thunder, the rain, disease, and I have the authority and the power to heal. No one sinned. Jesus says it right there. This man didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. He was born blind. Jesus doesn't give an answer. What Jesus says is, what's going to happen right now? This happened so that the works of God might be displayed. What's going to happen right now? Because this man was born blind and I'm about to heal him. is so that God will be glorified. And after he says this, Right? This is not a disconnected, oh, transactional, I'm just going to do a miracle and show you my power thing. Jesus does one of the most intimate acts we see in the Gospels. Right? In a context, in a place, in a time 
where people who were sick, um, like this blind man, were considered sinners or were considered unclean. Jesus actually takes mud, takes dirt, <coughs> spits on it, like <sighs> gives a big loogie, right? Mixes it and puts it on the man's eyes. Like a lot of you are like, where's the Purell, please? Right? We're not supposed to touch our faces, let alone other people's faces, let alone spit in their faces. That's just messed up. Where's the Purell? But Jesus touches us, right? And I, I don't know about you, but I'm longing for touch. As a person whose love language is touch, bet you didn't know that. Um, I miss physical contact. And sometimes I forget when I go in and meet people, I want to shake them, I want to hug them. But now people are like, got the arm blocked or like the, put the elbow in front to block, right? The coronavirus elbow, boom, boom, block, block. I'm like, oh, and then I remember, oh, we're not supposed to touch. But touch is so important. It's an important part of being human. And that's such an intimate act. It harkens back to the creation story, right? God, even when he created humanity, right, shaped humanity from the mud, from the dust, and blew his own air into it, right? God wasn't afraid of a virus. God wasn't afraid of contracting a disease. Jesus wasn't afraid of touching the unclean because Jesus is above the unclean. Jesus is above the dirty. Jesus is above any virus. Jesus is above any threat or danger or fear that we have. Jesus comes and says, I know you. I see you. Let me touch you so that you can see again. And may Jesus touch us now when we are so blind and we don't know what's going on. May he touch us when we are so hungry for touch. We're hungry for touch. The world is hungry for touch and connection. And Jesus wants to spit in your face, the face of your soul. Maybe literally, I don't know. But do you see this? Jesus touches. Even his neighbors, they're not quite sure what happened because they kind of remember this man. Some of them say, no, he just looks like him, right? He's his doppelganger, but it's not him. While others are, when he's saying, don't you remember me? I'm that man. I was blind for my birth, but look, it's me. Right? The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So he went and washed, and then I could see. This man is just doing what all of us would do. If something amazing, if a miracle happened that we couldn't explain, if we were blind from birth and all of a sudden we could see, we would be going nuts telling everybody and witnessing. This guy is just doing the natural thing and witnessing. Just look at me. If one day me, who was short from birth, all of a sudden became a six foot six Asian man who could dunk it on over people, I would be so fired up. 
I wouldn't be quiet like, oh, Jesus did this. I'd be like, yeah, Jesus made me tall and I'm going to cram it in your face. I'd be going to every basketball court, everywhere, to show off my new height and my skills, right? I'd be like, Janice, my wife, look at me. I'm not tall. I'd, I'd be getting suits, retailored. Yes, a miracle happened. And this blind man is saying, this man who you guys call Jesus, he doesn't quite know who Jesus is yet. It's, it's coming to him. He's like, yes, this man, we know we call him Jesus. But we'll see that this, the man's sight, this man's understanding of Jesus will become more profound, will deepen, will deepen, will deepen because of what Jesus has done to him. And yet, the people around him still do not see, still do not accept, or still don't quite understand because they aren't, necessarily experiencing it personally or they are doubtful or or kind of or they might be like the pharisees where they're against jesus they have an agenda against jesus politically they don't want jesus to be the messiah it says it in the scripture they've already declared that if anyone says that jesus is the messiah they will cast them out of the synagogue and so this is why the man's parents are even afraid to clearly say a miracle has happened. Because when the Pharisees, after hearing the testimony of the man and not believing him, even though the man gives them the facts, they go to the, his parents and say, oh, is this man your son? This man that now sees, is, the, is he your son? They're like, yeah, this is our son, clearly. And was he born, the same son that was born blind, was blind from birth? Yes, it's the same son. It's the same son. But it says, knowing that the Pharisees have already declared, you know, a moratorium on calling Jesus the Messiah, were afraid. And so instead of saying, come on, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is clearly the man, his parents say, well, our son, he's of age. Go and ask him. So the Pharisees, they still, they can't see it. They don't want to see it. They can't see it because they don't want to see it. They have an agenda. They're threatened by Jesus' power. They're threatened by Jesus' authority. All they have to stand on is their own religious legalism, um, their protocols, and it chafes them that Jesus is doing things so powerful with such power and authority, like healing, things that they can't do, things that have been never seen before, as stated in all over this passage. No one can make a blind man see, and yet Jesus has done this, and it's just chapping the hides of the Pharisees because they don't want Jesus to be the Messiah. They don't, they can't say that. They can't see it. They're like fake news, fake news, right? And so they go to the man and still they get the testimony over again from the man and still they don't believe, still they don't believe. They go to the man a second time. They summon the man. 
And they even try to make him say um, the truth, even though he's already given the truth. But they want him to say, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know Jesus is a sinner. <laughs> man's like, what? I don't even know where you're coming from. He's not into their drama, right? He just say, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. When you're looking for the truth, folks, and here's a side note, oftentimes it's the simplest explanation that's the truth. Anything that's embellished or has extra details tends to be the falsehood, right? I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I don't know. But one thing I do know, and I've been saying it over and over, I was blind, but now I see. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I told you already. And you don't get it. You don't want to get it. You're being stubborn. Why do you want to know? Why do you want me to tell you again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Right? And so the man, I don't know if this is purposeful or is being funny or ironic, but the man is already getting it. He's like, Clearly, Jesus has authority and power. Clearly, Jesus is more than a man. In fact, he already says, he had already said Jesus is a prophet, right? He is a prophet. He's gone from Jesus being a man to Jesus being a prophet. And now he's saying, do you, Pharisees, leader of the synagogues, religious leaders of all of Israel, do you want to be his disciples too? Ouch! Ouch! Oh, snap! Oh, this! This is going to get the Pharisees angry, right? The Pharisees who are in a power struggle, who despise Jesus already because of he's threatening them, he's a threat to them, hurl insults at the blind man and say, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow... We don't even know where he comes from. And the man, clearly this man is wise beyond his years or is able to teach the Pharisees because he says, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, how could he do that? Clear, makes sense, common sense. To this, the Pharisees are like, oh, how dare you? You were born blind. Finally, they show their true selves. You were born in sin at birth. That's why you're blind. How dare you lecture us? Pride, anger, rage, control. And so it says, the scripture says, and they threw him out. They threw him out. But then the Messiah comes. Enter Jesus, stage left. Jesus comes. He hears that the Pharisees had thrown this man out. And when he find him, finds him, he says, and this moment is much like the interaction with the woman at the well, right? Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Where is this water? Right? John chapter 4, woman at the well. Where is this water so I can drink it and not thirst again? Who, who is this Messiah? Show me. When is this Messiah going to come? Jesus says, 37, you have seen him now. And in fact, he is the one speaking to you. This Messiah that I am speaking of, I am he. Right here, face to face, standing in front of you, less than six feet apart. Not practicing social distance. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. Worship. Right? We don't worship people. We worship God. We give praise to God. We don't worship simply a man. Maybe we idolize people, idolize a man, but we don't worship them. And this blind man goes from not knowing Jesus, calling him but a man named Jesus, goes from that to saying, Lord, I believe you are the Son of Man. I believe you are God, and worships him. And Jesus ends with this, ends our passage with this. For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Your guilt remains. Basically, and this will, um, after this, if you are at home, go to your Bibles and continue to read on in chapter 10 verse 1 through 24, because often in John, there's a pattern of miracle and discourse, miracle and discourse. And so actually the discourse continues after that, and it gives theological meaning to Jesus's healing of the blind man. Um, but basically, Jesus is flipping the script on the ways of the world and entering, inserting, inserting the ways of the kingdom that when we think we see, we don't see we're actually in sin when we think we can see. But when we're blind, we're loved and touched and in relationship with the God of the universe, we can see. Um, and this week I've been reflecting a lot on how differently we see the world now in this time of global quarantine. Um, just the other day, um, you know, I was kind of obsessed and into my own, kind of self-absorbed into my own, like how this, all of this coronavirus is kind of disrupting my world, disrupting, you know, messing up church stuff, making me have to, me and the staff have to be flexible and think about live streaming and think about other ways to connect with people, being more busy and more stressed. And uh, my wife sent me a, a text, a post of her in her, she's a healthcare provider, and she was in her uh, protective, protective gear, right? A mask and a glass shield and a, a gown and uh, just looking really tired in that picture. And I realized how tired she was and overworked. 
because of how overloaded the healthcare system has been and realizing that as we're all quarantined, there are people out there who are risking their lives and to serve us, um, healthcare workers, uh, essential service people, like mailmen, postal workers, like uh, grocery clerks, grocery store uh, stockers, the people who are stocking those shelves as we empty them so quickly. Um, they're overworked, overloaded, and risking their lives, but they have to continue to, so that we can continue to get our necessary needs, our health, our mail, postal workers, our packages, UPS workers, our groceries. Um, and I realized that in these times of crisis, I can either be blind um, to the heroes and to the people that usually are insignificant or the world doesn't see them as compared to maybe movie stars or sports stars or um, Fortune 500 CEOs. But the movie stars and the sports stars, we don't see them now. What we see or should be seeing is all these other people. And um, so what, the ways that I was blind, I had been given sight as I re realized that, oh, even under my own roof, my wife is a hero. And so my word to this is, in times of crisis, in these times, let's see in a new way. Let's see those that we don't usually see because this is the Jesus way. Jesus is giving us new sight. Jesus is giving us um, insight into the ways that he lo is loving the world. Um, and in all of this, God will be glorified. To God will be glorified. And I pray that we can in these days and the days to come recognize the Son of Man and say, Lord, I believe and worship and give praise. Let's not forget. I forgot. I forget um, under all this stress that it is Lent. We are in the middle of Lent. And Easter is coming. Easter, right? The resurrection is coming. And so get out there into the sunshine and see with new eyes that Easter is coming, that hope is coming, that life is coming, and Jesus is going to come in strength and power with new life. Give praise to God. Give praise to Jesus, the Son of Man. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you have concern for us, that you love the entire world, and that as we are in this place, um, in the same place together, humanity is walking in the same place together. That doesn't always happen. We're experiencing this together. May we also experience your miracles, your power and your love in more deep and profound ways. When we think we can see in those ways of seeing that those false uh, confidences are turned upside down, will you replace 
our fear and anxiety with security and hope that comes in you. And may that lead us uh, to courage and the love of neighbor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And as we go from this place now, remember that God is a God who gives us new sight. When we are blind, we can see. And in seeing, we don't see at all. Trust in Jesus, the light of the world, and the one in whom we are saved. Go in peace. Amen.